When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Elf on the Shelf? More like, we have enough Elfs on this basketball team. How about give me a 6'9 wing slash forward who can actually reach the damn shelf? <laughs> hey, yo. So Christmas Day, as it pertains to Lakers D-Day trades, December 15th has passed, and of course, no action has been made, but that's par for the of course with this front office. But... In today's episode, let's try and rectify things with another trade-centric podcast to help inspire the front office, shall we? I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how's it going? Oh, it's good. Tis the season, am I right? Tis. (laughs) Tis indeed. And while it was supposed to be the season of trades, we are, of course, still waiting But as we inch closer and closer to December 25th, tis also the season for a Christmas miracle. And at this point, to get this front office to do anything of substance or to get this front office to just do their job, it will indeed require a miracle. So in today's episode, we shall hope away anyway, because today we are answering the question, are there any trade packages out there worth Russell Westbrook and two firsts in the front office's eyes? So there we have it. Tommy, before we get started, quick December Christmas icebreaker question to keep in line with the theme of the times. So I have a white elephant Christmas gift coming up with my relatives in Philly this December. In the prism of white elephant gift exchanges, have you ever received one that was actually useful to you or that you actually liked? I don't know if you can even recall, but I'm just springing this on you now. Oh, uh, one year I got in a white elephant exchange a... um little portable speaker that I actually still use to this day sometimes in my office. Oh, there you go. To listen to this podcast? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was some small lotto ticket scratch-offs that I got that in total I ended up winning like $50. I forgot what I bought with that $50, but that was a cool white elephant gift to get because you get that added element of mystery and wondering if for a hot second you may have won $500. But 
Christmas, December, holiday icebreaker questions out of the way. Let's get back to the theme of this episode, i.e., are there any trades out there worth Russell Westbrook and two firsts in the front office's eyes? We will, of course, go through the usual suspects uh, of trade packages that you may have heard of before, but we'll also go through some more creative packages that we think would entice this big-name, superstar-horny front office. So quick caveat again before we get into any trades. Though December 15th has already passed, there is still also a January 15th trade milestone that the Lakers may want to wait for, especially if we're talking about them trading both of their firsts. Because on January 15th, the following names will become trade eligible. Nick Claxton, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, Mo Bamba, Chris Boucher, Yusuf Nurkic, DeAndre Ayton, Mitchell Robinson, Lou Dort, Jay Sean Tate, and Cody Martin. So those are just a few names who become trade eligible on January 15th that the Lakers may want to look at or have included in a larger package. So yeah, at this point, sad as it is to say, it may actually make some sense for the Lakers to wait till 1.15 to see the full slew of options they have at their disposal. Because what's a month left of waiting when you've already kicked the can down the trade road and waited for a whole year since last trade deadline anyway, so whatever. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this episode. We've already gone through what trading Westbrook and a first looks like, and we've already gone through what trading one first, Pat Bev, and none looks like. If you haven't checked out our last episode, make sure to check out episode 450, Tinsel and Trade, where we go through our best Pat Bev, none first round pick trade options. But today we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum and bring back to life the two first and Russell Westbrook trade package, even though we know that's not the front office's preference, likely. They said that they will only do it for a superstar, so we're going to try and look for superstar packages that may make sense that we think the front office would actually pull the trigger on and give up to first. So let's get into it, shall we? So what trades would be worth Westbrook and two first now, given the context of our season and how Westbrook has been playing, et cetera, et cetera. To keep things simple, I'm just going to do two team deals. I know there are a lot of like three team deals that could be floated about out there, but to keep things simple, I will just do two team deals. Reminder. In a Westbrook trade, the Lakers can take back $58.7 million in salary alone. If you tack on Kendrick Nunn, they can take back around $65 million. If you tack on Patrick Beverly to Westbrook, you can take back $75 million. So, Tommy, in your opinion, you would agree that the smartest route for the Lakers to take if they're planning to use Westbrook as an asset would be to take back more salary, right? thinking long term long term and excluding the like all the tax considerations that I'm sure the front office has yes in my opinion that would be the the ideal scenario but you also agree that the front office likely won't want to do that they'll likely want to go the opposite way <laughs> <laughs> exactly okay but that's just out there i just wanted to add that caveat now before i get started with my list of trade options for westbrook and two firsts at this point in the season would you still trade two firsts for the Indiana package? Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, maybe O'Shea Brissett? Um, the deeper we get into the season, the less inclined I am to do it, to be honest. Why? I think, you know, Miles Turner is an expiring contract. We Assuming we did this trade, I, I we would want to keep him probably, but you just, it's not guaranteed. Um, 
And then there's going to be like an integration period. And, you know, this team has been playing well recently. And I I don't know. I, I just feel like the, you know, oh, a big one obviously is like as more time in the season passes, Indiana is actually paying off less of Westbrook's salary um, that they don't want. So I, I think there's a number of reasons to, if you weren't going to do it in September, I, I don't see how you would do it, you know, in January, for example. I think I still would just because the the main factor that's changed then till now is the fact that AD has been balling out, LeBron James has rounded yeah. into form and we kind that's of fair. see we see a vision of what this team could actually look like and I think the bigger question to me is if Indiana would do this deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think you could have had them for two firsts in the summer and the Lakers were at the 1 yard line, right, of this exact deal and given the Pacers have made some strides um, with these two and the fact that I think their owner actually loves Miles Turner. So they could come to like an extension agreement with him even before the summer hit. So it, it, the question may be more on Indiana's end and the price for these two may have actually gotten, the, the price may be richer now, but we'll see. I, I think from my end, I still would do that deal. But given the fact that we know the front office's stance on this is kind of a moot point, Although, again, maybe we can use the Indiana deal to assess some of the deals that I have lined up because the Lakers were at the one-yard line with this deal. They just didn't want to push in all of their chips, i.e. the two picks. So let's use the Indiana deal as a median line to work with, given the fact that, yeah, they were right there, but they didn't, at the end of the day, want to pull the trigger for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. So let's first start off with trades that you've likely heard of before this may just be new iterations of stuff you've heard before but these are deals from the front office slash rob palenka's perspective of what they would deem worth it for westbrook and two first tommy are you ready yes i am number one kind of obvious Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, and to maybe grease the wheels a little bit, we get Utah Watanabe. Uh, At this stage, would you do the Brooklyn deal? Um, That package in total would equal $57 million, so we'd be taking back a little bit more money. But um, yeah, would you do the Kyrie deal now? I mean, in terms of strictly basketball, you always do that Kyrie deal. If you're swapping a guy like Russ, who, by you know, I'm not this part. The point of this, by the way, which I think you kind of alluded to, is not necessarily to put down Russ. It's just you know we kind of need to figure out what we're going to do with our roster to balance it out a little bit better. And he just happens to be the most usable salary in a trade, and in mm-hmm. some ways on our roster. So. I, in a purely basketball sense, I think you obviously do this kind of trade. Um, Kyrie is an amazing player. He's young. He can bridge the gap. I mean, he's played with LeBron, and he could sort of bridge the gap between like the LeBron phasing out and ho- maybe even retaining AD long term, right, if if things continue to go the way they are. Joe Harris is kind of mid at this point, um, as the kids say. Uh, he's been playing He's been Has playing, he been playing better, well, actually. Okay. Yeah, he's been hitting his threes and everything and starting, so. He got off to a poor start, but, I mean, you could attribute that to, like, he missed a lot of time um, last season. But, you know, and then Utah obviously would fill a huge, huge position of need on this team. So I think yeah. you'd have to do that kind of trade for a basketball, from for basketball reasons. The challenge is all the off-court stuff with Kyrie, which is not worth getting into at this point. Um, If you factor that stuff in, though, I think it becomes a little more wishy-washy for me. Yeah, I agree. From a basketball perspective, like Kyrie Irving would take 
a lot of the load off LeBron James with regards to primary scoring and being able to get a bucket on his own, which is, I think, what this team needs to sort of balance out like the AD dominance and LeBron James finding his place within that and running pick and roll with AD. If you got if you have another player like Kyrie on the other end, being able to break his man off the dribble and just get a bucket whenever you need it. He may not be necessarily like the playmaker Russell Westbrook is, but in terms of being able to balance out the court and spacing better, and he's obviously just a way better, more efficient scorer, shooter, etc. than Russell Westbrook. And then adding a Joe Harris on top of that with his size, and then Utah Watanabe, who is the perfect active, hustle, gritty player for Darvin Ham, on top of the fact that he was leading the league in three-point percentage for a little bit. Um, to me, I would still do that package, but the off-court stuff uh, makes me a little bit leery. Moving on to number two, and there have been iterations of this trade that have floated around. I can give you both of them. but And for a lot of these, we have to just assume that the other team would be willing to do it because maybe by the time January 15th hits, their their teams may have started to fall in the standings and they may want to pivot. So number two involves the Chicago Bulls. We've heard of the DeMar DeRozan uh, Vucevic deal out there, so I'll throw that out to you. But then also, what do you think about Zach Levine and Vucevic? Now, DeMar DeRozan's making $27 million this year. Vucevic is making $22 million. Levine is making $40 million, and I believe he's on a long-term deal that extends uh, three years past this one. Two or three years past this one. But what are your thoughts on DDR and Vucevic and maybe you add on a Javante Green? Maybe you take back Goran Dragic if you're concerned about losing too much of Westbrook's playmaking ability. But DDR slash Levine, Vucevic, Javante Green, and I don't know, Dragic or maybe even Kobe White. But what are your thoughts on like the Chicago Bulls angle? Um, Vucevic, I think, in any of these is sort of, he's like a... I mean, I don't know how the math works for the Vucevic and Levine trade. And the Vucevic and DeRozan trade, It's you kind of need Vucevic as a salary ballast to make the numbers work there because DeRozan's yeah. actually getting paid like a fairly fair salary. Um, I, so putting aside Vucevic, because I think he's essentially, this is kind of sad because he is a good player, but he's basically a filler. I don't think that if we got Vucevic, we would necessarily be looking to retain him long-term as like an offensive center next to AD. I think if you're going to play a center next to AD, it should be a defensive type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. It, it. I think this sort of any sort of Bulls trade, which I I agree with the, your general sentiment here that there is like a Bulls trade to be had if they continue to go down the path they're going down. I think they're they have their 2023 pick, but it's only top four protected. I don't know who they traded this pick to, but um, and I know you can't really guarantee you're going to be in the top four anymore, even if you're like the worst team in the NBA because of how the new lottery works um, with the, with like them lottering off they lottery, the top five now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that they would go full in on the tank, but depending how things continue to go, they might go full in the tank. So that, so I think there's a trade to be had. And I think between the two, it really comes down to what do you view this like quote unquote core? Do you view like LeBron's last season with the Lakers as next year? If you do, then I think you go DeRozan because DeRozan is going to give you the best chance to win a championship this year and next year. If you're thinking a little bit more long-term, I think maybe you look at Levine. Levine is 27 years old. I think he is a little bit underutilized in like 
whatever kind of wonky system they're kind of running with the uh, with the Bulls over there. And well, especially since DeRozan came in, yeah. And especially since DeRozan came in, and Levine is like a guy that needs the ball in his hands, and I feel like he's trying to play like. He's not like a true point guard, right? He's like a big co- kind of combo guard. Um, he can play make a little bit, but he's like more on the shooting guard end of the spectrum than the point guard end of the spectrum. So I like to, re- I, I like, uh, excuse me, Levine as a player. I think he's actually a little bit underrated um, by some people, and especially after he got this big contract. Um, but he's 27 years old. He's supremely athletic. I think you put him next to LeBron and AD and teach him how to lock in defensively, you know, He's not going to be a lead defensively, but he could. He has the tools to be certainly average or above average. Um, and you get that athleticism, you get some shooting, you get another ball handler, another guy who can attack the basket and play make a little bit. And it gives you a little bit more time in terms of, you know, maybe trying to extend the LeBron AD era with a little bit of youth infusion. Um I like that for that angle, but I think it like it depends on, you know, the Lakers clearly have a very open relationship with LeBron and Clutch and I think they need to really pin down like what exactly is your plan because if you're only here for two more years personally I'm going to Rosen he has a two years left on his contract you get this guy in you give yourself the I mean this dude is averaging 25 points a game shooting 50% from the field and getting you five assists and he still plays solid defense and he's just a veteran you know so but he doesn't have five years left, right? He has probably right. two more years of doing this. So short term, I lean DeRozan. Thinking more long term, I lean, lean Levine is my long answer. No, yeah. I, no, I agree with you. And it's good to bring up the contractual stipulations and the timeline with AD and LeBron because Levine is on till he has a player option in 26-27 for $48 million. He's only going to yeah. be still only be 31 years old. But right, you're right. If, you, if you're thinking long term and you're ready to pair AD up with a player like Zach Levine to make a long contention run for the next two or three years, then I I think you would go Levine. And you're also right to split them up because you don't need Vucevic for Levine. He's he's making he's making thirty seven million dollars this year. So you could potentially just do Levine Westbrook and two first straight up, right? And then on the other end you can do Vucevic DDR for Westbrook and then tack on, like I mentioned, ancillary parts like Javante Green, sort of six five wing defender, plus Drajic or Kobe. Now, for both of those, are those two deals that you think the front office would pull off? Like two firsts, are two firsts worth Levine? Are two firsts worth Vucevic and DDR? Um, I think, I honestly, I do think yes in both cases. I, I mm-hmm. think like DeMar, like I said, if you get DeMar to replace Russ, plus you get a little bit extra center depth. I mean, whatever, throw in Damian Jones so we get him off the team too. You know what I mean? And and like, you have, you have created a very, very strong roster. As good as Russ has been playing for us recently, like DeMar DeRozan is a huge upgrade in pretty much all levels. Um, and he can go out there, by the way, and get you like a crap ton of assists um, as he's mm-hmm. done in recent years. And then Levine, same thing. I, I think because you're extending sort of this window with LeBron and AD by bringing in like a 27-year-old, like borderline, any given year borderline all-star player um, as a third option, I I, I feel like that's worth two firsts. You're not going to get somebody like that in either of the drafts unless you're drafting top five. And even like you can't guarantee that, right? Yeah. And I think the thing that with Levine that I want to highlight is I think last year or two years ago when he was playing Team USA ball, 
a lot of people were actually lauding his defense on that team. And so I think there's still a lot of untapped things to find with Zach Levine outside of him just being this microwave scorer. So, and on top of the fact that it's a bit of a homecoming for him having played at UCLA and he's always been a huge Kobe disciple. So I think that's a match made in heaven. Moving on to number three, this goes to, this would be a deal with the Washington Wizards for, of course, Bradley Beal, Tack on Rui Hachimura and Will Barton. Obviously, this deal can't be done till January 15th, as I outlined at the top of this episode. That's $63 million outgoing if you tack on Barton and Hachimura. But what are your thoughts on Bradley Beal? Beal will make $57 million in 26-27 at age 33. But if he's healthy, yeah, what are your thoughts on Bradley Beal? The Bradley Beal package. I think Bradley Beal like unfortunately has like the worst contract in the NBA. I mean like unless you can make the trade, right? Because like you can you can you can look at his contract in a few ways. Like he's sort of been a he's been an all-star caliber player. You could say maybe he's past his prime or maybe he just needs like a change of scenery and like, you know, playing with LeBron and AD could provide that. But he has a no trade clause. Like this 55 million or whatever per year that he's getting is like one horrific aspect of it but he has a hard no trade clause that persists the i mean he he might be the only player in the nba that has like a true no trade clause at this point um so you can't even like kind of flip that like in like four years or something after the salary has jumped and like he only has a couple years left excuse me the salary cap has jumped and he only has a couple years left and maybe you're trying to flip that for something in a few like you can't really even do it at that point so I personally, I I know people love Bradley Beal. I like Bradley Beal. I I stay away from any Bradley Beal type type trades. Yeah, I love Bradley Beal. And even having said that, having been a huge Bradley Beal fan for much of my NBA basketball fanhood, I'll put it this way. If they pull it off, I'm not going to complain. But it's not like the first deal that I would run to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would understand it, but it, yeah, it, it, that that twenty six twenty seven year at fifty seven million dollars, even with like the cap spikes and whatnot, makes me a little bit queasy. All right, let me pick up the pace. Um, last one before we take it to break: Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young, Chris Boucher, Kem Birch. He's a six point six million dollars salary dump just to make the salaries work. Maybe you can ask for Malachi Flynn and Juancho Hernan Gomez, but Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young, Boucher, Kem Birch totals $43 million together. This is probably the lower end of the spectrum. So I also question whether Gary Trent Jr. and Chris Boucher are like shiny enough names for this front office. But what are your thoughts on that deal? Are they worth two firsts? I like the trade. I don't know that I like it for two firsts. Certainly the second first I would want to heavily protect. I mean, Gary Trent is kind of like, you know, similar problems to the Miles Turner sort of situation. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You're trading for like, the right to give him the biggest, you know, salary offer that he could theoretically get. But it's like, do you want to be paying Gary Trent Jr. like a maximum contract? So it it's going to create this weird situation, I think, where like there's some random team out there might be willing to like overpay for him. And maybe you're not. And then now it's like you just traded two first for like a five month Gary Trent Jr. rental. Like I know you're getting some other young players who are nice there, but I think I would want to. I think I I don't think I would do it for two, but I like the trade in terms of getting depth. Um, certainly, I'd do it for one. 
Yeah, I think I'm along the same lines with you. Like, if we're doing two first, then the second first has to be at least, like, top eight protected. And obviously there's problems with that because the other team, if, you know, that conveys, if the Lakers' protection conveys, would only get a second in return. But yeah, Gary Trent Jr. and Chris Boucher is almost like a weird, bizarro version of the Miles Turner Buddy Heel deal, like you mentioned. All right, let's take it to break. And when we return, we'll wrap this up with some newer trades that involve superstarish players that you may not have thought of yet. So we will catch you guys after the turn. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, happy holidays. We've got some breaking news on our end. We are very pleased to announce that our very own Tommy Alexander is now a new dad to a healthy baby boy. So please join us in congratulating him for making some big time moves to his own team faster than Rob Palenka and the Lakers front office have for theirs. But all jokes aside, if you would like to congratulate Tommy and his family on this momentous occasion, the best way to do so is by leaving your congratulatory remarks in the form of a five-star Apple podcast rating and review for the Lakers Legacy Podcast. And if you want to do something even simpler than that, well, you can also take 10 seconds out of your day and give us a five-star thumb tap at the top of our Spotify page. Just click on your Spotify app, search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and at the top, click the five-star dial and you should be set. I know Tommy and Tommy Boy will greatly appreciate it. So thank you in advance and maybe stay tuned for a new Lakers Legacy Podcast co-host in the near future. And now, on with the showtime. All right, so we're back. Tommy, I concocted some new deals that haven't yet been talked about. And again, you're going to have to stretch your mind a little for these ones because you let's all just assume that these teams have slipped in the standings and that they're ready to tank. But this is more of an exercise with regards to what big names who could be out there, what, what big names are out there that the Lakers front office could be looking at given their lens and proclivity to flashy names so i'll start off with the washington wizards again and not involve bradley beal but what are your thoughts on porzingis and will barton for 47 million dollars or they're 47 million dollars outgoing so you could pretty much do westbrook for porzingis and barton just like that so and this would be for sorry you said for two first yeah for two every everything in this episode is two first and westbrook yeah I don't know that I would do this one for two first. I would definitely do it for one first. I, I actually really like Porzingis. I've always liked him. And I've always thought that in the right situation, he could be amazing. And I think playing next to AD and LeBron could bring out like kind of some of what we saw in the game against the Wizards um, that he showed like when he was attacking the rim a little more aggressively. Yeah. I think you could play him with AD and create this like obscene, long, like, you know, rim defending team. Um 
He's like a better offensive Miles Turner. Yeah, yeah. And his big thing, right, is he's never been able to stay healthy. But I think he might be able to stay healthy. Um, Or, sorry, he's shown that he's kind of been able to stay healthy this year so far. So I like Porzingis probably more than most people. I would do the trade. I don't think I would do it for two first, that being said. Mm Mm-hmm. I think... Keep in mind with the two firsts, dude, I will just say that, like, Donovan Mitchell got, like, three firsts. So it's, like, two firsts is, like, a lot, you know? So it's, like, you have to you have to sort of... I don't know. I, think, I feel like you well, have to... Well, I, I agree with you, but then, you know, whenever these situations crop up, you always add a premium because of what it means to... Oh, you're adding the extra first because you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James now and you're putting the premium on the timing of it, right? So, I mean, I think you factor in that a little bit because every time, you know, when we got Paul George and they gave up five first, it's because they were also trying to retain or or sign Kawhi Leonard at the same time. So, but I think ultimately I agree with you just because I'm still sort of concerned about Porzingis and when you line up Porzingis and Anthony Davis together, they have some benefits in being able to sort of, I don't know, maybe sustain each other a little bit better, but at the same time, the injury concerns worry me a little bit, but in terms of skill set and having two unicorn big men on the court, I don't know, man. <laughs> the potential for that is kind of insane. And Porzingis, I think even more so than Miles Turner, would be able to space the floor better with Anthony Davis. And you could almost get this, like, I don't know, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum thing going on, but even more versatile. Like a Pau Gasol, it's like Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, and Andrew Bynum all on the court at the same time. I imagine the spacing will still be wonky because they're two big bodies, but I do like the potential. I'll say the same thing I said about the Beal trade. If they throw in two first for Perzingis, I will not complain, but I'll just have my questions and reservations about it. Next one. Again, I don't know if this will happen at all, but what are your thoughts on dealing with the Sacramento Kings if for some reason they've tanked their season once again like they usually do? They plan to pivot. <laughs> King's gonna king. King's gonna king. But... We're not going for Harrison Barnes, Tommy. We're Ooh. going for clutch client Deer and Fox. Oh. Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Davis. Again, this likely won't happen, but what if Deer and Fox becomes available? Fox, Holmes, Terrence Davis is $45 million outgoing, so you could essentially just swap them for Westbrook and two firsts, and uh, yeah, the deal would happen. So what are your thoughts on the Kings Deer and Fox package? So I a thousand percent would do this, actually. I think I'm probably like higher on Darren Fox than most people are. I feel like, you know, if you were following preseason or early season with Bill Simmons, like, you know, of course, this guy always has like a lot of hot takes after five games. But, you know, like five games into the season, Bill Simmons was like, when do the Kings decide it's time to move on from the Darren Fox experiment? And this dude is like... His last, you know, including this, he's averaging 23 this season, 23 last season, 25 the season before. He's shooting 52% from the field this year and 38% from three. He's like significantly improved as a three-point shooter on decent volume too. He hits free throws. He gets you steals. He's super quick. He's like good assist to turnover ratio. He's... 6'1 or whatever, so he's like tiny, but he, or 6'3, 6'2, he feels tinier than 6'3, which is mm-hmm. what he's listed as. And he averages five boards a game, which is insane to me for like a very small point guard. Um, he's 24 years old. We should probably, I mean, like, you know, obviously a lot of stuff happened with Lonzo's injuries, but we probably should have taken him in the draft over Lonzo if we were going to go point guard. Um, I really, really like De'Aaron. He's locked in at like what is going to look like a very reasonable contract as he, he plays through his prime making mid-30s, you know, um, 
salary wise i think that that's pretty rare for yeah guys nowadays like especially guys who are drafted top five like those dudes are getting like random super maxes from like they're they're like a small smaller market team so i if we can get De'Aaron Fox, to me, that's a home run trade. I would trade both of the firsts, and I wouldn't look back. And y- you have that dude, you know, if you have that dude with AD, you know, they're both Kentucky guys again. AD likes that Kentucky stuff. Oh, so, you're right. You know, I it to me, I, I would definitely do it. Yeah, I you've made me more excited on De'Aaron Fox after listening to you. Um, he's only making $32 million in 23-24, $34 million the year after that, and then... 25-26 is his last year at age 28, making $37 million. He would be so dynamic with Anthony Davis. He's almost like the way you're describing him and his progression in his career. You know, when he first came out, people were comparing him to John Wall a little bit. Yeah. But he's almost morphed into like a Mike Conley version of John Wall. Yeah. With regards to better shooter, better defender, better more solid orchestrator of the offense without being as wild, but still having that John Wall burst and verve athletically, right? So, yeah, I kind of like I, I like De'Aaron Fox and would like to see him next to a big like Anthony Davis and maybe LeBron James during his tail end years. All right, now we're going to get into some weird situations involving some older players, but I could unfortunately see the front office doing this, and I'm interested to we see love your oldies. thoughts. I love oldies. This time, we're going to trade with the Clippers, Tommy. Oh. And it'll be for Paul George. Whoa. The full circle redemption story. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And as unrealistic as this might seem for a variety of reasons, including I think Jerry West is still working for the Clippers. Let's put that to the side. If this Kawhi Leonard thing is never going to fix itself, I could see the Clippers just trying to recoup all the assets that they lost um, in the Paul George, uh, Shea Gilgis trade and pivoting, especially if they plan to do something worthwhile in free agency the next coming years. Um, Paul George is making $42 million this year. He's going to, he has a, sorry, he's making $42 million this year. I think he's on for next year. And then he has a $48 million player option in 24, 25 when he's 34 years old. But what are your thoughts on Paul George? Paul George, when he's healthy, is like one of the most dynamic two-way wings in the entire league. I mean, this dude has like a buttery smooth offensive game. And then we'll go to the other smooth side. Smooth like butter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he will go down on the other side and like lock down your team's best wing. Um, in an era where like, you know, if we are looking to maybe contend right and it's crazy that we're talking about this i'm not saying we're going to do this but like if we have a shot of making the finals like paul george is the type of guy you want out there guarding jason tatum jalen brown even the honest to be honest right Mm so certainly chris middleton so you trade two first for paul george and you just like pray i think because (laughs) paul george right despite all the grief that anthony davis has gotten over the years paul george has played less games than anthony davis has you know since they were both traded to their respective teams so because they built like they were traded that same summer as everyone recalls so you need this dude to be healthy trading two firsts for him is maybe risky he is 32 years old it's like how much healthier is he gonna get you gotta Um, risk it for the biscuit man but you gotta risk it for the biscuit as as limb biscuit would say (laughs) is that what limb biscuit says (laughs) no he said he did it all for the nookie though Yeah, I as scary as this seems, 
I would do it, especially if you're trying to like re if you want to give LeBron James that last final push as on his way out. I mean, what better way than to do the full circle with Paul George becoming a Laker? It's like Dwight Howard Redemption Part Two, but on steroids, because then you finally get to see what LeBron James and Paul George look like. Granted, they're a couple years older, but then you tack on the incredible angle of having Anthony Davis next to them and yes they're going to be old and all in their 30s but I'm that's an expendables big three that I would like to see happen just because of their on court on paper skill sets it would just be like I just feel like if we did if this happened and all three of these guys stayed healthy it would be every game would be like that slam dunk competition sequence at the end of the Wizards game where like everything (laughs) we were like road team and like the crowd is just going like completely insane while these dudes are just doing acrobatics during the middle of a basketball game I I hope so my fear is that this just becomes Steve Nash Dwight Howard Kobe part too yeah. something like that but yeah i would do the paul george trade now next deal kind of similar to this one but you also know the front office will do it we're going over to talk to the miami heat tommy and we're gonna ask them for jimmy butler who's making 45 million dollars this year maybe we can tack on max Struess to it who's only making 1.8 and max Struess is like Pretty good. Pretty good young player, only 25 years old, I believe, averaging 15 points this season. Um, Butler has a $52 million player option in 25-26. It's almost like the Bradley Beal scenario, except Jimmy Butler is even older than Bradley Beal and obviously doesn't provide the spacing that Beal does, but he does have a proven track record in the playoffs of just, you know, getting the job done and being a good leader, playing defense, etc. Your thoughts on Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler is interesting i i just like i'm not i'm like very confused about what's going on with the heat i think like they made a series of bad con contractual decisions with like certain of their role players that have like kind of put them in this mess but i will say it is a little bit hard for me to discern what is that and what is like these guys are just washed i mean jimmy butler still is shooting 49 percent from the field scoring 21 a game getting you seven rebounds and six assists The reason I would still do it, even though he's 33 years old and he has also had his share of injuries. And his contract extension, his contract extension doesn't even kick in until next year where he's making 45, 48, and then the player option for 52 million when he's 36. But yeah. Yeah, that's pretty insane. So that would be a factor, (laughs) right? And again, that maybe gets back to like the LeBron, like, hey, are you committing to us for like two years, three years? Like, what's the deal? Because Jimmy Butler, if he, like, this dude is still playing 36 minutes a game for that, sorry, like, Miami Heat team with whatever they're trying to do over there, right? So, if this dude was playing 30 minutes a game and you weren't counting on him to score you, you know, necessarily 22 every night or whatever he's doing with Miami, like, getting you a near triple-double, like, every night, like, I think he could really extend his, you know, effectiveness, um... Can he extend it until he's 36 years old? I don't know, but certainly for a couple more years, I think. Uh, he hasn't really played a complete season, I don't know, in five years, basically. I mean, I guess you could, I don't know. He Like, he missed 15 last year. He missed 20, or yeah, he missed 20 the year before. He missed 14 the year before that, 20 the year before that, and then he missed, like, the entire season before that. So it's been, like, five years since he's played a significant chunk of games, Um and you just wonder how much of this is like he plays so physical, like how much of this is just like his body is just it can't take anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think I would actually not do this. I'm just too worried about yeah, his age. Fair. And, that's you know, fair. he runs himself into the ground for better or for worse for his team. And if he could shoot threes better, almost like if he had Paul George's shot profile, I'd be a little bit more open and accepting to it. But I could just see it becoming sort of like a rundown, better version of Russell Westbrook where the fit is sort of wonky. The spacing is still off. Yeah, they're playing hard and all that stuff. But and then, you know, the health and injury issues and the mileage catches up to you and we're in the same place with with LeBron James and Jimmy Butler sort of gasping for last breath and then Anthony Davis getting injured again because the the two other stars can't hold up. So, yeah, I think out of this group, this uh, I think I would pass on Jimmy Butler, especially given the $52 million in 2526. But I do like Jimmy Butler. If, if it was just like for the next two years, I would probably pull the trigger. Um, lastly, it's kind of almost pointless to throw this deal out there, but do you think there's any scenario where the OKC Thunder would give us Shea Gilgis for two firsts in Westbrook? Maybe we throw in Max Christie, whatever we can give them. I don't, because I think if Shea Gilgis goes on the market, it's going to be like, it's going to require young players and picks to get him. I, I like Max Christie, unfortunately. I love Max. I think Max Christie has some upside from what we've seen this year, but like, I don't think that's going to be enough, you know, obviously. I think our best chance of getting Shea Gilgis is trying to negotiate some sort of sign-and-trade scenario on draft night where we do some sort of combination of, like, a Russell Westbrook uh, redemption tour sign-and-trade plus, like, Austin Reeves or something sign-and-trade um, plus our 2023, 2027, and 2029 first-rounders. Yeah. Um, if we did that on draft night, which we would have to, right? Because if we can't trade the pick until draft night, um, I think that could look com- competitive for OKC. But otherwise, I think they're just going to be like, you know, we saw the market set with Donovan Mitchell. We want even as much, at least the minute of the baseline is going to be what the what they got yeah. for Donovan Mitchell. Because Shea is just like playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, I agree with you. It's probably not going to happen this year, if at all. Um, some lower-end deals that I don't think the um, front office would take but are interesting. What are your thoughts on John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich? It's not Bojan, right? It's Bogdan. It's Bogdan. John Collins and Bogdanovich, or from the Magic, Wendell Carter, Chumo Kiki, Gary Harris, Terrence Ross. Do you? Well, one, you probably agree that's not flashy enough for the front office, right? But are they worth yeah. two firsts in your, in your perspective? I don't know that I would do two firsts for either of those. I mean, you're in both situations, you're getting like a ton of depth. I just don't like we have decent depth again, but it, it just like depends on how this front office wants to continue building. In a way, they just really, really got lucky that Lonnie Walker turned out to be as good of a mid-level exception signing that as he did because he's having like by far and away a career year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just can't count on that every single year, right? For every time you get Lonnie Walker you're going to get like a Kendrick Nunn outcome. So if the front office wants to continue building teams that way, then, you know, I I just don't, I I don't know about how, like, I don't know how valid that is, but I think they, for some reason, prefer that over this, like, let's just get a bunch of depth on like a few years remaining and try to build out a team that way. And I don't know, I would, I would prefer the latter approach and which is why I'm attracted to these trades, but I don't think they necessarily are. Yeah, I agree. But if you're also thinking about Anthony Davis and having sort of this like second wind in his career, surrounding him with these like youngerish players who are, 
you know, rounding into their prime might be the smart move as well as building out your roster for the next coming years. Cause a lot of these dudes have multi-year contracts, John Collins, um, Wendell Carter, et cetera. So if I were the front office, I would do this, but I agree with you. I don't think the front office would look this way. And then lastly, I'm going to give you four chunks of teams that we've previously talked about that include lower end role player types. And I just want to see, let's take the front office out of it. Do you at this point think that they're worth two first. So the teams I'm talking about are the Charlotte Hornets with Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, PJ Washington, Mason Plumley. Maybe we can switch PJ Washington with Cody Martin, who's making $7 million because he's more of a wingish type player. But essentially the Rozier, Oubre, PJ package, which is $47 million outgoing, are they as role players worth two first? And then revisiting the Utah Jazz, Jordan Clarkson, maybe we get uh, Jared Vanderbilt this time. Malik Beasley, Kelly Olynyk, throw Rudy Gay in there for the salaries. That's $51 million outgoing. Are they worth two firsts? And then we go over to the Detroit Pistons. Bojan Bogdanovich, Sadiq Bey, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, $41 million outgoing. Is the Detroit Pistons package worth two firsts? And then lastly, the Sacramento Kings package. Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Davis, Chemezi, etc., etc., $39 million outgoing. Are they worth two firsts as role players? We know that the front office likely won't do them or, oh yeah, we know that the front office likely won't make these deals given the fact yeah. that they didn't pull the trigger on Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Yes. But in your perspective, are any of these worth two firsts if you were running the front office? I think, again, as of now, I personally would not spend two firsts on, on any of these. I just don't think you're getting... I just think, again, part of the justification for trading the two firsts with a big expiring is whoever is taking on this Albatross contract has to pay it off, too. The deeper we get into the season, the you know, this is like a $47 million expiring on your books. But if you're not a tax-paying team, like, you're only paying this dude, like, half a season of salary at this point to get a first-round pick. Um, and especially if it's, like, an unprotected first. I don't think any of those sorts of trades like move the needle for me Um, again, unless like the front office actually is actively thinking about how we're going to build this team out for the next two years, as opposed to how we're going to build the team of mercenaries to finish this, this season. Right. I actually think I would do some of these just because if I'm running the front office, I would start building the team out, especially building it out around Anthony Davis and next year. And the number one, I think I would do the Rogier trade one because I like Terry Rogier. And then you get pretty much positional depth at each spot and you have sort of the flexibility to either retain or just let the other guys walk away if they don't work out. But Terry Rozier is at least on a multi-year deal, and he gives you that shooting perspective and another guy who can sort of score on his own. So I put that at the top, and maybe I do a iteration of the Jazz deal second, just because um, and I know it's not as attractive or it, it doesn't come off as flashy, but I think in terms of just doing what you can this season to create the most competitive team around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I think that's my priority right now. I feel like any of these deals would help. Yes, the two firsts make it a little bit queasy. But if I'm thinking about also knowing that in 2023 summer, there's not really any names that we can get. If we can start building the foundation for our team now, then I think it's worth it to add that second first and then see what you can do with your other incoming assets like the 2023 first rounder you have coming in, Max Christie, et cetera, et cetera. 
because I just want to point out to people that this isn't the end of our asset shuffling, you know, like good, good general managers, good front offices find a way to take these players who still have value as players on the court, but also have value because of their, the salary that they're making and can find ways to package them together, shift them out with a second rounder, shift them out with like the 2023 first we have and still find ways to upgrade the team. You know what I mean? So if I'm looking at it at that perspective, and if I was running the team, I think the Charlotte deal is worth two firsts and then possibly the Utah Jazz deal, maybe the the Detroit deal. Actually, the Detroit deal is probably worth two firsts if you can get a young player like Sadiq Bey along with Bojan Bogdanovic and you have Bojan on for at least the next two years. So uh, the only deal that I probably wouldn't do for two firsts would be the Harrison Barnes deal. Uh, that one is more just like you risk it to biscuit for this just this upcoming season, but the upcoming years after that, there's not much potential or upside after that. But So for me, I think I'm, I'm still down to trade two first just to get the the widest breadth of depth that we can get to contend this year but also potentially help our prospects for 2023 but with that said do you have any closing thoughts on this exercise that we did no but thank you for pulling all these uh, possibilities because uh, <laughs> you know you kind of sit here in the abstract and think about like well what could they actually do and i feel like actually a lot of these were pretty realistic yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but at the end of the day, I think they might piecemeal this a little bit and do a part one trade and then a part two trade, but we'll see. If they plan to put everything onto the table, these are some names that could potentially, or types of names that they will potentially look at. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time, and yeah, Tommy, see you later. Peace. Peace. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.